Welcome to our weekly and Episcopal Sermon podcast. We are so glad you found us. This is a live recording of the gospel reading and sermon from last Sunday's service at the Episcopal Church in Almaden. The life of this podcast depends on your listening support. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to support us, simply subscribe to this podcast on your channel of choice. Come. Join us along our shared path for today's episode. Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? But Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, the Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, He said, pay him, pay me what you owe. And then this fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused and then went out and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. Now when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. And then the Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt so my heavenly Father will also do to you every every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Gospel of the Savior. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. I always wondered what it would be like to preach at ECA. I've never been in this building before, at least up here. And I always kind of figured, it must be really unusual. Well, it is. (laughs) And as you see, I'm much more comfortable if I can see some of you. I mean, not that you folks are bad or anything (laughs) back there, but I don't want to preach to four people when there are whole bunches of you all around me. So please excuse me as I move the lectern here uh, today. So it's really nice to be with you and I'm happy to join you today. 
Um, I was talking to my friend and colleague, Jerry Drino, last week, and we realized that we were both wanting to preach on the book of Exodus. So that's what the sermon's going to be about today. It's not going to be on the gospel, which you might have thought might be possible. So our lesson from the Hebrew scriptures today is a follow-up from last week's focus on the Passover. It's all the great story of the Exodus, right? The bringing of the children of Israel out of bondage and slavery in Egypt into the Promised Land. So this week, we tell what is probably one of the most dramatically important stories of the entire Hebrew Scriptures. Scholars call this story of the crossing of the Red Sea and the destruction of the Egyptian soldiers Israel's master story. It's the story that makes all the other stories make sense. It forms the very core of the identity of the Jewish people right down to this day. We Christians share this story not just as part of our Hebrew scriptures, but we tell it every year at the Great Easter Vigil as a prelude for our own master story, which is the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, most of us, I suspect, remember the classic movie, the Cecil B. DeMille movie, remember? with Charlton Heston raising his arms and parting the waters of the jello on either side. And it was jello that they used. You need to know that. Our children learn this story in church school, and it's a favorite at camps and conferences. And in truth, we've pretty much domesticated it we've pretty much put it in its place. But I think if we listen to it more carefully, this is one of those terrifying, violent, and ugly scenes in the whole of Scripture. And relegating it to the great storybook of our childhood is really doing it a great disservice because it's much more important than that. So it seems like a good story to revisit this morning. So what if we took a deeper look from a real adult-oriented narrative perspective, saw it as an adult story, intended to hold up the mighty works of the Creator who not only creates everything in the book of Genesis, but then brings new life out of death and freedom out of desperation and destructiveness of our lives of slavery and oppression. So God is not only the great creator, but God is the great liberator. Yet, truth be told, it, it tells also of the divine power that wields a swath of death and destruction that began last week with the death of Israel's firstborn, and now tells of drowned dead bodies of Egyptian soldiers 
on the shores of the Reed Sea. If we were reading this story from another culture, we might be struck with the violence of this God who is betrayed or portrayed here. Especially if we're convinced of some pablum version of what God looks like. That is, oh, this can't be our God. Our God's too nice to be. At worst, we might be tempted to say that this God of Israel is not the same God as the God of the New Testament. Some of you may actually believe that. If you do, I'm here to tell you that that is one of Christianity's oldest and most pernicious heresies. The God of the Hebrew Scriptures is indeed the God of the New Testament. Marcion, the great second century heretic, declared that this violent and vengeful God that he saw in the Hebrew scriptures wasn't the real God. It was only a demiurge, a false God. That claim has sadly stuck with many Christians, even to this very day. Let me assure you that, however, that these difficult images of, God, of Israel's God are very much the same as the God of the Gospels. It is indeed, though, a very difficult story, a hard story, the more closely we look at it. Israel's God is the one who struggles mightily against the evil and the impending chaos that is still within the creation. God is always struggling against the forces that want to undo the creation. Because the creation was created very good. Yom Tov, it says in the Hebrew, very good. But very good is not complete. It's not fulfilled. It's flawed. And we are flawed. And history is flawed. This is the God of the Exodus story. Come on in. Now, I don't want to justify or even mitigate the violence of the Pharaoh's destruction or the death of all of those soldiers and horses. I don't want to defend or explain the hardening of Pharaoh's heart according to the scriptures that led him to choose pursuit of those Israelites. That's how the story is being told. This part of the story, though, is hard to hear, isn't it? And it's hard to preach. However, let me suggest that this core of this story is really about a deity that we should and could and need to put our trust in. Egypt, you see, is the archetypical scriptural image of every empire in the world, in the world's history, every empire. Whether it be Egyptian or Greek or Roman or the Nazis in the 1930s or the communist Russians, 
or even the American empire in which we now live and find ourselves. And indeed, we live in an empire just like the Roman Empire. Every empire is exactly the same. It is built upon the same deluded path of violence and injustice and death. That's the hard news of history. Every empire, ours included. So the Exodus story is retold in scripture over and over again in constant story after story all through the Hebrew scriptures and then right on down into the story of Jesus of Nazareth who dies at the hands of the Roman Empire. The question raised in this story is which God are we going to worship? Which God is going to receive our devotion and our commitment? Will it be the God who oppresses and enslaves other human beings, dehumanizing its subject peoples, while living in unjust opulence and wealth, brought by intimidation and raw power exercised on subject peoples? That's what an empire does, right? It exists in power. Or, or will we trust our very lives in that unknown and unseen divine one who promises to bring us forth in new life and liberation from oppression, whose servant is the one who looks like this servant Moses, you see, this story is not about something that took place millennia ago in some quasi-mythic tale. It's about the world we live in today, in the midst of our own misguided and delusional senses of wealth and privilege and safety in our own contemporary empire called America. We, therefore, are invited to contemplate whose side are we going to be on? That's what Exodus is about. Whose side are you on? Are you on the empire side that seduces us in this world? Or are you on the liberating life of the divine justice? You see, sadly, I think, if we're honest, if we place ourselves in this story, I'd suggest that perhaps in our country, we're the ones on the wrong side. We're the Egyptians. Most of us might be well aware that the slaves brought here from Africa quickly began to identify this story of the Exodus as their own story and pray for their own liberation from their white pharaohs who would enslave them. A liberation that is sadly not yet even complete in this country of ours. Slavery in the world has taken many forms 
over the years. Ours is only one. So what would it be like to live between the devil and the deep blue sea? Have any of us been in a place in our own lives where we were forced to choose between an impossible risk of deadly proportion because we had found ourselves in such existential danger that we faced a seemingly impossible choice? That's what was facing the Israelites, an impossible choice, right? The Egyptians were behind them with chariots and swords. In front of them was the Red Sea, where they were bound to drown. Would we take up the promise given the risk that we need to walk into that sea like they did? What would that feel like? What kind of terror would we have to be escaping to want to take that risk? It must have been a tremendously existential decision. Speaking personally, I can vividly remember what seems to have been at the time for me, that is back in the days of Vietnam, a time that sounded and felt very similar to me and my friends. Because we all questioned whether or not to destroy our own draft cards, knowing full well that prison cells awaited us, or to submit to the empire and become murdering soldiers of the American empire that we knew was wrong. I remember that choice as my own. And I can tell you, it was a terrible choice. I can also remember marching in that time with my brothers and sisters through angry and dangerous mobs, protesting them on behalf of justice and racial equality, knowing full well that a rock or a bullet might very quickly and ultimately be the end of me. You see, between Pharaoh's swords and the deadly waters of the unknown ahead, that's sometimes our only choice. Do we really believe the promise of the one who declares that we will be saved? If only we trust and keep going? Or do we want to return to our delusional safety of our enslavement? Our enslavement that safe lives within an empire where at least we think we'll be fed. You see, Egypt wasn't really all that bad. It was safe. And as long as the Israelites played their part of holding the power of the empire, especially when the threat of death was clear, they were safe. They were okay. That upstart Moses, what did he know? Why should they, we believe him anyway? Who is this so-called unknown deity 
why should we follow in such a dangerous and deadly path? What indeed and who indeed are we following? Won't we all just simply die at the hands of those soldiers? You see, these are the questions of anyone caught between the terribleness of life that they know and the dim thread of hope for liberation, whatever that might look like, and you don't know what it's going to look like. That's the talk between the devil and the deep blue sea. St. Paul himself basically tells us in his work that there's no such thing as what we modern people think is autonomous freedom. None of us are free. Paul believes that we're all slaves and that the only choice we have is which God we're going to serve. Which God are we going to enslave ourselves to? Will it be Egypt's God of empire? or Israel's God of creation and liberation, new life and justice. You see, there's a reason why we tell this story, this Exodus story, every year at the Great Easter Vigil. Because it's the story of the struggle that is being played out in the life and death of Jesus. It's exactly the same story. It is the great and demanding question of just who and what we ultimately put our trust in. Scripture declares that Israel's God is the Lord's, and all other gods are impostors. If that's true, do we insist on putting our trust in the gods of the empire, where we can live so comfortably? in such privilege as we live in? Or do we join the ragtag bunch of folks who follow the one who acts like Moses and whose name, Jesus, means God will save God's people? That's what the word Jesus means. What does it look like to follow this dangerous path that promises nothing but liberation. And what does liberation look like? What would it feel like? When Jesus calls us to come and follow, what do we understand him to be calling us to do? be doing? Where is he leading us? What's being demanded of us, and are we willing to risk the safety of our slavery to become free? And just what might that word mean for us here and now in this 21st century? No, my brothers and sisters, this story is so much more than meets the eye, isn't it? It's an invitation to meditate on what it means to follow Jesus, who is our Moses. 
but don't tell this story to your children. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode on An Episcopal Sermon Podcast. May this episode inspire you to apply lessons from these teachings to your everyday life. If you found inspiration in this episode, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast through the channel of your choice and spread the word. If you would like to see the full service from which today's sermon was drawn, visit our YouTube channel linked in the show notes of this episode. If you would like to support this podcast, feel free to donate any amount to our listeners' support on Anchor or visit the donation page on our website, www.churchinalmaden.org slash donations. Thank you.